0: Welcome to Conversations with the Authors. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Daniel Troop. I'm Daryl. I'm Sandra Jo. And thank you once again, dear listeners and readers, for pressing the play button. In this episode, my parents, Daryl and Sandra, will share their experience in conducting research to bring their fantastical world to life. From the dialogue... To the cultural and historical inspirations that informed their writing. Also explore how they balanced the need for creativity with the importance of staying true to their research and the techniques they used to ensure their fantasy world remained relatable and believable to readers. Whether you're an aspiring fantasy writer or a lover of the genre, this episode is a must-listen So join us as we delve into the magical world of How Nicholas Became Santa Claus. Can you talk about your process for incorporating language in world building and how it helped to create believable characters?
1: Well, language is intrinsic to uh, the story because we all have language of some sort, there's audible language, there's body language. What do you have to write actually into the story? We wanted to make sure that they were believable, understandable, but sufficiently different mm-hmm. from ordinary language. You won't hear slang or anything like that, so that people can feel as if they've gone off into a, another world.
0: And you, mm-hmm. you, you just mentioned writing body language into a story. How, how do you do that?
1: Well, it's it's just really a matter of description, I think. Uh you picture the, the movements that you want to do and uh you write those. It's it's you write it as if you were trying to describe it in a picture or in a movie. So and that's what I do. I like to have something very descriptive so I can uh, paint this picture in your mind. This moving picture, actually.
2: You have facial expressions, hand gestures, body gestures, the way people react to it the same way, the same... Sort of
0: nuances and such.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, if, if somebody's reacting to a situation, uh, if they're reacting to something they've been told, if they're if they're surprised, these are all different types of movements that you'll want to describe. And sometimes you can leave those things to the imagination of the reader, and sometimes it's a good thing to do that. But if you want them to have uh, uh, the idea that you had in their
0: head, then you make that description description is there such a thing as too much description
1: well i, I don't know if it's if if it's too much it's got to be appropriate i think
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and sometimes there are little things that you do leave to one's imagination but sometimes if the description uh furthers the story and uh, if you're trying to uh, uh elicit uh, the emotion of shock or surprise or or joy uh, if that's germane to the story, mm-hmm. that may be something you want to describe. I mean, if it's such as someone walking to a door to open a door, you you might not need to do that unless that person's been hurt and he's limping and mm-hmm. he's dragging his foot and he can't see the door. His vision is blurry and he tries to reach for the door and he reaches out, but he gets one of the uh, uh, images of the door rather than the real door because he's seeing double. I mean, so there's an appropriate time to do it. And in and other times where you wouldn't have to.
0: So Sandy, for you, and uh, Daryl, you can jump in on this if you want to. How do you decide what the readers should create and what you should create for them?
2: It depends on what I'm trying to relay. Sometimes I want the reaction to be bold and hitting you in the face kind of stuff, and then I'll I'll. Have Daddy describe everything,
1: and it, then sometimes you want subtleties too, so those have to be described too, so that you know how the the characters reacting.
0: Well, can you give a example of specific language or dialogue that you incorporated into your book or books, and and how it helped to develop your characters or the setting?
1: Well, in the in the the new piece that I'm writing. Darkly Heart. Yes, Darkly Heart. I've got, uh, and this is part of the the Nicholas series, too. Uh, I have characters from uh, various lands, and they have various accents. Uh, I've got someone who's French. I've got someone else who's Scottish. So uh, I try to do a little research on that to see how they may say things so that I can convey it in a way that would be convincing mm-hmm. that this person uh, uh, is from that place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to to... Uh, to have a realistic character, not a caricature of somebody, but a but a realistic character. Um it takes a bit of work sometimes. Uh I mean if you, unless you you know, speak bilingually or trilingually, uh, and I don't, so it it mm-hmm. takes a lot more work for me to do that.
2: And then there's sometimes like with my magical characters, I really threw Daddy a a right hook because some of our characters spoke in clang. So, everything had to rhyme, ah, okay, and then there were some characters where mm. everything was they said everything backwards, kind of like Yoda mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you mean like the, I remember the trolls yes yeah, and yes. uh when when they they were very small creatures, and when they they uh walked all of them walked with a limp, and uh they they spoke in rhyme, yeah yeah that was that was kind of cool though i enjoyed that
2: like when <laughs> my one of my favorite opening introductions to the trolls is Tom is trying to go home and he has to cross this 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 little
1: it's a conduit yeah, that, yes, goes, yes, that goes goes across is one of the my road it's, it's, In the book, yeah. there's
0: uh there's like a a small piece of wood uh that's covering this tiny little it's, thing yeah so you water you, right yeah. You know. Bridge trolls? it got to be bridge trolls. It's, it's
1: just a little uh, sliver in the path it, where water has to go from one side of the road to the other and under, uh, under undercuts the road uh, through a conduit. But, of course, right. technically that's a bridge, right? But, so you've got a troll there.
2: And, trolls got and, a troll. And the, right. water, <laughs> the water going under it was no bigger than my little finger. Right. And I have small hands, uh-huh. so you can imagine how small that is. Yes. And... If he didn't pay the toll, he could not cross the bridge.
1: And he was a troll, so he spoke in rhyme. hmm mm-hmm. I mean, he, well, he wasn't uh, mischievous or mean. Right. And uh, it he was, was just kind sort of kinda their, likable, their but it was just a, just their nature. It was somebody they had to deal with.
0: How did you approach balancing historical accuracy with the need to create fan- a fantastical world? What... Uh, Considerations did he make along the way? Well,
1: you know, when you're writing fantasy, sometimes accuracy is uh, is not something that you're you're confounded with. It's not something that uh, you need to do. You, I think, what you want to do is give an air of familiarity. Uh, In the
0: uh, essence.
1: Yeah, because people, you know, who've read things and know some history have some familiarity, and you've seen stories before.
0: Right.
1: Uh, so uh, to have some accuracy is probably helpful to help the person relate to the story,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but in, in fantasy and with magic, uh, you're very far from reality. Uh, I, I suppose there are some things in, in magic that we would expect mm-hmm. to always happen, right? Um, and so, uh, it's, it's just like um, you know, in the old vampire movies, you expect that somewhere in one of those movies, you know, Dracula's gonna, he's gonna be repelled, you know, by a cross, or he's, right, he's, or right. or the wolf man is gonna Holy be repelled water. by garlic, right. uh, and all the rest of this, so, and so it becomes almost canon, it's something that you expect, so. Um, so, as far as our writing is concerned, we want to have some familiarity, uh, where the, patient, uh, the person can relate to it.
2: For continuity, I would, draw either the location or what the character looked like what he was wearing mm-hmm. what i wanted them to right how the i wanted the outfits to change or how i wanted the scenery to change and on my drawings i would have footnotes or or little messages to myself written in the corners and and colors and
0: but you also specify that in a uh, fantasy Accuracy is not necessarily important. So, inachronisms, how did you decide when to let, uh, you know, history or research sort of go to the wayside of it for creativity? How did you decide where the balance was?
1: Well, you know, with with fantasy, it's important to, to... to further your story and get the story out. And so sometimes you might have to uh, let a little bit of accuracy go uh, for a poet, poetic license, you know, yeah. to to, yeah. to further yeah. the story along. Mm.
0: Right, right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh...
1: You know, it it, it it makes me think, it, I, do you remember, anybody remo- remember the uh, the movie uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, yeah. uh, vampire yeah. slayer? Right. right. What vampires did he slay? Right. So uh, that... Was not very accurate, right you know. And his wife was there. Uh, Mary Todd Lincoln was there. The children were there, and but and that was about as accurate as you needed to be for it's, that, you know. And, but
0: in in that same sense, <laughs> the historical accuracy of Nicholas is that Nicholas was at some point a real person in history, and that's about as accurate to his story as we get. Yeah,
1: well, he was a real person. Uh, Nicholas, uh, as anybody who knows history knows, that uh, uh, he lived about uh, uh, 300 years uh, uh, after the Common Era, Mm -hmm. and uh, he was at the Conference of Nicaea. And that's the place where uh, the the religious got together, and they were going to decide what was going to go in the Bible.
0: because in your book, Nicholas is a little bit of a hothead, and you take that from... This his, these historical accounts of, of Nicholas and Nicaea, right?
2: Correct. Right, right.
1: He was, because while he was there, you know, there was, there were, was, reputedly, there were some men who had been put, put on trial and were going to be executed by, by a mob, and supposedly, uh, the real Nicholas saved them, you know, from being killed. So, so had to, I mean, so, his his hot-headedness or is his, his, uh, uh, his want to to make things correct and be moral right. was in this story,
0: right? And I and I think I don't know personally how old he was at the conference, but
2: about I think, fifty. I
0: think it lends itself. I think yeah. that attitude lends itself to Nicholas in the story, mm-hmm. who uh, who follow who in this book follows to the age of eighteen. I mean, he gets older in the following books. But I think it lends itself better to his character design. When starting research for your book, what was the first step you took, and how did you, how did that inform your, your world building or craftsmanship? You know, re-
1: research. I think while we were writing was on a, on on a, uh, a need to know basis. I think when right, we when right. we get to a, a point in the story where we were trying to describe, for instance, a castle. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there are not many castles in the United States. Right. And a lot of people are unfamiliar with castles, as uh, as was I. Right. So we had to look those things up mm-hmm. to find out well, what's the bastion wall, what's the curtain wall, you know, what is uh, what is uh, uh, you know what are the crenellations? What, what, are, what are all of these things. Right, but this so we is had not to, a story yeah. that
0: is set in, say, the 16th century or the 14th century, but, uh, the research allows you to allude to its that era in a in a sense without pinpointing anything down.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a common way to do things, don't you think? Yeah. It's, it's just like uh, in uh, in uh, uh, Lord of the Rings and the Rings of, of Power. Right. They have years and they can right. tell you, but their years are different from our years. Right. It's almost like Star Trek, you know, this is, uh, you know, the 20, 2040 to 60 log and whatever that right. might be. Yeah. So uh, we leave that a little bit nebulous and that doesn't become completely important. It's just the continuity of the story and how it follows. You can follow them from day to day and that's what's important. So
2: I actually went to uh the British uh-huh. kings and queens castles and looked at their servant list mm-hmm. and their lists of rooms that they had in their in mm-hmm. their castles. And who was in charge and who wasn't? And right,
0: I've seen some photographic encyclopedias that <clears throat> can break down, like the inner curtain and the outer curtain, and all these. So I, I can see where you might uh, need. That's that's a point in which you might need yeah, we, specific we, yeah. research.
1: And and uh, she talked about the the the, the, uh, the British system and uh, of, of of royalty, and she alluded to that, and then castles and. Peerage and all that We we had a time with that Because you know we, we weren't used to that right. So we had to really work on that a lot
0: So pulling so, mm-hmm. from the other side Pulling from needing to be completely accurate To something that is not necessarily historically accurate Depending on who you are and what you believe But folklore and myth How did you incorporate that in your story And and how did you use those elements To adapt and to the world you were creating? It was
2: story-driven.
1: Okay. Yeah, it was. Wasn't it. it was story-driven. Story story driven. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: yeah. It, it depended on what mm-hmm. the story needed to have done as to whether a magical character mm-hmm. was going to do it or a human character or a combination thereof,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, whether it was the good side or the bad side and who was going to be not quite good and not quite bad and why were they like that.
0: Mm-hmm. and how did creating the setting for your book um, how did you go about creating that and what, what inspired you most when it came to world building and not necessarily for just Nick, how Nicholas became Santa Claus but perhaps Darkly and I know that you're working on another project and perhaps some of the sci-fi that I know that you tend to write mm-hmm. uh, how do you um,
1: you know you have, to, you have to use a lot of imagination uh-huh. imagination is, is the key you know, somebody asked uh, Albert Einstein once what was important. Was it the physics or was it the imagination? Mm-hmm. And he said it's imagination. Right, you know? yeah. So, okay. you know, having all that knowledge and, and not having an imagination won't move you very far. So we had to use it's quite a of bit old, of imagination. Kind
0: um, no, all work in no play scenario.
2: My you favorite know, uncle, don't. Barney, had this famous quote he would always say, and it was a quote of his own, and that was imagination is the first question without it you don't go anywhere
1: mm-hmm. it, it, you know and and, con, and and contrary you know to that uh someone asked uh uh edison once what was important you know when he was inventing in his inventions the light bulb or whatever and mm-hmm. the many various other things he made and he said that uh <clears throat> his creative process was uh 99 uh uh percent uh perspiration and 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 1% imagination and but imagination even that 1% is a lot uh because that's something that uh will take you far like albert said like albert einstein said so and we 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 used our imagination to fill in the gaps
0: do you talk about the inspirations from your own world that you've Sort of interweaved in your in this new in these new fantasy worlds that you're creating.
1: Sometimes our inspirations uh, may be music we've heard. It may be uh, my wife takes pictures. It may be uh, an insect that she's taking a picture of. It may be a scene of a of an animal. It uh, it uh, it may be even a word. Sometimes you know. Sometimes you can flip through a dictionary and you can see a word. See that's a new word. That's an interesting word hmm, maybe I can use this somehow.
2: Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So. Even on the television, sometimes we'd be cooking or we'd be feeding you guys or we'd be doing physical therapy or something and somebody would say something and go, oh, wait a minute. That'll work. That's interesting. It, it, just come,
0: it just comes to you sometimes, you know, at strangest times. Yes, anything can... Anything can really influence your creativity, like the um, intro to our podcast by Alexander Nakarada, the super epic, aptly titled song. Uh, and if you guys are interested in the imaginations and machinations and the fantasy of How Nicholas Became Santa Claus, you can check out the book at troopbooks.com. You can also visit their Facebook page at troopbooks.com their twitter troop books their instagram troop books t-r-o-u-p-e um landing on the website troopbooks.com will take you to the authors page at ewing's and you can purchase a copy hard copy or a paper book and we will see you hopefully next week thank you mom and dad i look forward to our next conversation on conversations with the authors
2: thank you